Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. You know how in high school you'd have like a lot of tests and papers due right before Thanksgiving break? <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of feel like Congress just like skipped class and didn't turn in their papers here. <laughs> <laughs> Congress kind of uh, skimped out on the entire first semester here because we've been talking about getting a stimulus done. We've been talking about all of these other items on their to-do list. Um, we've had virtually no movement on any of those since August and nothing is looking like, um, at least on the stimulus front, it's nothing that's looking Looking like it's going to get passed in the next month or so either. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Bueller, Bueller, Congress, Congress, anyone? No? All right. Today, Sarah Ferris on where the heck Congress is and why there is still no deal on coronavirus relief. So, Sarah, it is the final week of November, which means at this point it's, what, been months since Congress passed any sort of coronavirus relief bill? Yeah, the last thing that they passed was uh, early June, which was kind of a, a mini package um, extending some of the Paycheck Protection Program. Congress boosted small business with an act attached to strings that could be too expensive. The House of Representatives extended Paycheck Protection, a program keeping companies afloat during the coronavirus pandemic. That was something that was several billion dollars worth, but um, clearly not not enough. And there hasn't been much since then, even though there has been a total of $3 trillion um, pushed out the doors of Congress this year. As you said, that that hasn't been trickling out this entire time. And a lot of the relief has run out for families and and individuals who are suffering. And I want to get into the why on the fact that there hasn't been more, because I think for a lot of people, it seriously is just like, why, why, why? But first, can we talk about what's at stake here? I mean, like, there is no relief package on the horizon. Talks still basically look broken down for the most part. And at the same time, we are in the middle of the worst of the pandemic. What does no deal mean for America right now? Well, it's it's frankly depressing. This is something that you talk to economists, if you talk to some of the folks who are at the Federal Reserve, um, at banks across the country, those who are really dealing with the financial implications of this, they're starting to see the warning signs. You don't need to know Game of Thrones to know after the fall leaves come the bare trees. The cold season is upon us, and perhaps no industry will feel the impact more than restaurants. We've um, we've had decent job numbers. I mean, of course, that's that's relative, but there's a, a different story heading into the winter. There's a lot of restaurants who figured out how to, uh, you know, eat safely outside. People figured out how to travel. You know, maybe they were doing a little bit different kinds of things. But, um, you know, we saw the economy basically chugging along. People were kind of using scotch tape to, to keep together everything, you know. But a lot of that is going to rip apart and the sense of normalcy has already been disappearing in a lot of places. The the weather is, is a huge factor. The fact that people are are scared is a huge factor. These COVID cases are surging everywhere. People are are gonna be feeling it. The pressure is gonna be growing, but we we have seen that pressure grow to some extent all year and and still Congress has just not been able to put something together. So I think for anybody who's who's really got their hopes up that, you know, that next twelve hundred dollar stimulus check is going to be coming before Christmas, I think there's there's a really rude reality check that, um, you know, Washington is going to offer on this. 
With all of that in mind, what is the explanation for no action from lawmakers right now? There's just opposing ideological viewpoints on how to get things done. And it, it is not new, right? Republicans and Democrats have always disagreed about exactly how to, you know, lead an economic recovery, about how exactly to shepherd a public through any kind of crisis. There's just fundamental ideological differences. In this case, there's a lot of Senate Republicans who represent states where the crisis had not yet reached the levels uh, that it did in a lot of Democratic-led states. And that's the simple fact. The virus uh, had different implications if you were a senator from Missouri or if you were a senator from New York or California. It's hard to underestimate because that is something, you know, what you were hearing back home from your peoples, from, from businesses, from mayors, those were different messages depending on which party you represented for the most part. We need to think about if we're going to come up with a bipartisan package here about what size is appropriate. It seems to me that snag that uh, hung us up for months is still there. There wasn't a sense of urgency on on the behalf of Republicans because a lot of their um, state and local leaders didn't necessarily think that the type of relief the Democrats wanted was the right thing. Uh, I don't think the current situation demands uh, a tr- multi-trillion dollar uh, package. So I think it should be highly targeted, very similar to what I put on the floor both in October and September. And of course, we're all excited about the uh, Pfizer vaccine announcement yesterday. Senator Blunt knows an awful lot about that. There's a lot of Republicans who have always thought that, you know, national security was dependent on the the deficit and the national debt over time and thought those kinds of concerns didn't necessarily need to change just because there was a, a pandemic impacting some parts of the country. Uh, Democrats, for their part, have said for months that they they need to go big or go home. McConnell is sticking to his emaciated bill, which he's tried twice and didn't get a Republican vote. That's sort of a non-starter. And then he said... Because we have a vaccine, there's even less need for a bill. Vaccine makes greater need for a bill because it has to be distributed fairly and equitably and there needs to be education that it's healthy and everything else. They're not willing to accept a smaller Republican package. They think that um, agreeing to do just a couple hundred billion dollars or even less. So if the uh, Republicans want to be cold hearted and say they don't care, or as the president's son said, Hundred and two hundred and twenty-five thousand, I think, at that time. That's no big number, kind of thing. No, every single one of those deaths is important to us. We carry those people in our hearts. Um, they think that would actually harm more Americans by not getting, not staying at the table, not fighting for a bigger package, um, losing the the leverage to perhaps do something the size of two trillion or three trillion dollars. Um, and and these are really hard for someone who's sitting at home, uh, unable to go to work and not being paid um, to understand why this is happening. This is infuriating to a lot of people. I've had a lot of members of Congress who are swearing. I, I mean, they can't believe that this is the situation they're in. They have to go and tell, you know, families back home that this is why that they're not getting an extra check or this is why their eviction protections are running out. I mean, when you talk on a member by member level, a lot of people do think that aid needs to go out. Um, even Republicans will tell you, you know, we think we need to do something. And that has started to change over the last couple of months. You talked to Republicans in August, and a lot of them thought that this was going to sort itself 
on its own. Um, so there is a growing sense among the Republicans that something needs to be done. Uh, you can even hear that from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell willing to do some relief. But again, what Democrats see as needed is so much bigger. Um, and they're just at a fundamental divide on how much money to be doling out um, and exactly how how fast to do that. But at the end of the day, it's really about how big to go. And that's just not something that that can be solved. And it's not as simple as we're just going to meet in the middle because that's politics and that's not how politics works. President-elect Joe Biden is preparing to take office in a couple months. I know he's obviously not president yet, but what role, if any, do you think he could have or is already playing in negotiations and trying to help bridge that divide and come to some sort of consensus on this? So President-elect Biden will have an enormous role in this, of course. Uh, he is already uh, engaging in talks with uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. They're talking about how to get things done. They're trying to strategize um, of, you know, what exactly is possible in the lame duck session. Can anything be done that would meet Democrats' standards? Um, or is it something that's going to have to wait until January when Democrats will hold the White House for the first time in four years? Uh, House Democrats will still control the House. Uh, the Senate looks like it's going to hold Republican unless we see some surprises in Georgia. But there's a lot of calculations already going on of, you know, what does Biden bring to the table? He talks a lot about the desire he has for bipartisanship. Um, of course, the virus has been his biggest campaign message, and um, he's going to be pushing really, really hard for this. The question is, again, are Democrats willing to accept lower than what they've been demanding for their stimulus offer this fall? Uh, if they're not, then there's no way this can get done this fall. And, and there's no way that any kind of relief is going to be done until January. And that's really hard for a lot of people to hear. Um, and this is this is the struggle we've been dealing with since about August, <laughs> when uh, negotiations with the Speaker and with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin really resumed um, in a serious way. And we've seen those off and on. And now Biden will be taking over for Pelosi as the head of the Democratic Party and, and will be starting to call the shots. But so far, we've seen no indication that he'll be breaking from the Democratic position on this. Sarah Ferris, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks so much. Also today, the Trump administration and the federal agency that oversees presidential transitions are allowing President-elect Joe Biden to move forward with the formal transition process. Last night, more than two weeks after Biden won the election, Emily Murphy, the administrator of the General Services Administration, formally designated Biden the apparent winner of the election, clearing the way for the president-elect's team to access transition funds and begin coordinating with Trump administration officials. In a tweet, President Trump said he's directing his team to cooperate on the transition, but did not concede and is vowing to continue fighting the election results. The move comes after Michigan formally certified Biden's victory in the key battleground state. And as coronavirus cases soar nationwide, the CDC is advising overwhelmed local health officials to triage their coronavirus contact tracing efforts, writing that the latest surge is making it difficult to reach every close contact of COVID-positive patients in time to help contain the disease's spread. 
The agency says state and local public health departments should prioritize contacting people who tested positive for COVID within the last six days, members of their immediate household, the elderly and people with health conditions that make them more vulnerable to the virus, and people who live or work in congregate settings like nursing homes and prisons. Given increased demand on contact tracers, the CDC is advising against contacting infected people who are more than two weeks out from their positive test, except in rare circumstances, since it's likely too late to prevent them from spreading the virus to others. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Politico Energy, Pulse Check, Women Rule, Nerdcast, and Global Translations. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.